0: Hello friends, it's Bill Allen coming to you live from the West Irwin Church of Christ. What do you know about that? We are right in downtown Tyler and yes, I am finally back in my office on work days. What do you know? Been working from home uh, for the last uh, few months, a couple of months or so, seeing how we've had this wonderful novel coronavirus thing and uh, this week we are back in the office and back to regular office hours and doing work at the office uh, and home instead of just at home. So this is, a, this is a great thing and a big step. So welcome, welcome. Glad that you have joined me. Uh, we finished last week a study through the book of Matthew on Tuesdays and Thursdays at 4 p.m. on my Facebook live channel. And so now I'm beginning a study uh, in the book of Acts. And I hope that that's why you're here and that you're looking forward to that. I would love for you to spread the word on this. After the, uh, the Facebook Live uh, study is finished, then it'll be posted, of course, on my Facebook page. We'll also post it on our West Erwin Church of Christ page and also on our website, uh, westerwin.com. And you can uh, go to our social media and find the, um, uh, the link to our uh, live streaming page, and it'll be under archives there. So some folks already starting to join us. We have several uh larry and lynn glad to see you guys lonnie brown my good buddy from here we're so glad that you guys are able to uh to be a part of this and uh looking forward to sharing through uh, the book of acts and you think well why the book of acts bill well uh you know there's a lot going on in our world today and you're probably thinking why in the world would you do that Uh, well i think I think, it's a, I think it's an appropriate thing. For one thing, we just finished uh, the study through the book of Matthew, and so this will be a natural uh, follow-up. Uh, and, and I've had several of you, such as Debbie Spears, that just rolled in, and uh, glad that we're able to chat from your office to my office and back, and so that's a great thing. Um, but, you know, it is uh, such a crazy dynamic time right now with the... Uh, COVID-19 still very much uh, causing us to examine our lives and our schedules and our habits with each other. Uh, We've started uh, having uh, live worship services at our church here in downtown Tyler uh, for the last few weeks or so and have seen the groups grow steadily. We're still social distancing. We're still wearing masks entering and leaving. Uh, We're still holding off on doing the holy hugs and handshakes. Uh, and look forward to really look forward to when uh, we'll be able to participate in those again and but for right now uh, This is this is where we are Um, And that's and that's okay Uh, And so we're we're glad to be able to do that glad that we have opportunities like this to be able to study together uh, online and to have wonderful friends like Cindy and Eric Mosley and my my dear dear friend and sister uh grace hepler from uh north carolina days love and miss you girls so much lenny and joe allard others that are joining us that's such a great great thing uh but you you see everything that's going on and the difficulties that are facing our nation uh today and have been uh, since this uh, coronavirus really hit us hard also of course now over these last uh, several weeks the issues having to deal with um, with social injustice that's uh, that we see going on and the struggle that our nation continues to have uh, uh, because of, of the sin of racism. I've posted a few things about that, shared a, a video this past Friday that if you haven't uh, watched, I would love for you to watch that and, and share with me a little bit of your comments and um, some things I wrote down earlier today about what I believe, uh, just in, in light of some of the things that are happening. So I hope that you'll Take a look at those, comment if you if you want, and just keep me in your prayers as we have been doing with our nation, with our uh, civil authorities and, and uh, elected and appointed leaders, uh, certainly with our law enforcement and military and all of those that uh, have a part to play in the uh, security of our nation and the cause for justice. We're very concerned about both of those. And I hope uh, that you are joining me in prayer as I know uh, you are uh, to try to um, make sense of all of this, and to and to help uh, be part of the of the solution. And so, Bill, why why the book of Acts in the midst of all of this? Why don't you talk about something that really would speak to us? Well, think about the book of Acts. Um, it's a call to prayer first of all, as we're going to see today in Acts chapter one. It is a call to rely on the Holy Spirit, starting in Acts chapter two. Uh, it is a call to be willing to uh, share the name of Jesus no matter the consequences uh, that we find beginning in Acts chapters 3 and 4 when uh, the apostles uh, are threatened. Uh, and then in chapter 5 when the persecution begins and, and we see this early church trying to help encourage each other to live faithfully in difficult times. Um, the first Christian martyr, Stephen, is, uh, his story is found in Acts chapter 6. And seven, the first big difficulty that the church faces is over racism and racial and ethnic uh, difficulties that they had because of widows who had a Hellenistic or Greek background, though they were Jews, uh, were being left out. And and it threatened to divide the church in Acts chapter 6 and how they handled that at the Jerusalem conference in Acts 15 after the first Gentile convert, Cornelius, and his family uh, are baptized into Christ in Acts chapter 10. then... Peter has to go back to Jerusalem in chapter 11 and explain himself and let them know, uh, here's, here's why I did that. And, and, uh, and, and at the beginning they say that's great, but then the church struggles with that issue uh, for the rest of the New Testament period. Really the books of Romans, Ephesians, Galatians, they're all very much uh, the way, written the way they are because the church was struggling with the very same problems that we find in our communities uh, today uh, and the great mission journeys that Paul had after his conversion that Luke tells us about in acts 9 and then and then Paul himself tells his own story gets autobiographical on us and and uh, Luke records it in acts chapters 22 and 26 uh, his mission journeys uh, with Barnabas at first and then with Silas and Timothy and others um, and his trip to Rome what an exciting uh, chapter that is as as we read about his shipwreck and And the difficulties that he faced and being lost on an island and throwing cargo and and food overboard and um, cutting away the lifeboat and finally landing on this island. and It is just really exciting stuff in Acts chapter 27. And then finally ending up at Rome. Luke puts it very poetically, and so we came to Rome. For Luke, that seems to be uh, what his intention is uh, for this book for uh, the book of Acts. But in the meantime, he tells us about those first few decades of the church. Uh, Peter and Paul both put to death at the hands of the emperor Nero uh, sometime in the AD 60s, probably mid-60s. And so Luke records Paul uh, maybe a couple of years before that or so uh, being imprisoned in uh, Rome, uh, having appealed to Caesar. And yet, as best we can tell, historically he's released and then continues doing mission work and traveling and ends up in Spain and is finally arrested again and comes back to Rome and then is, is beheaded. Peter is crucified upside down because he doesn't want to be killed in the same way that his Lord was. Paul being a Roman citizen could not be uh, crucified to be put to death but uh, he was beheaded. Um, both of those in the hands at the, uh, uh, the work of the Emperor Nero because of the criticism and persecution of the Jews and, um, and the Romans, and so it's, a, it's an, incredible, an incredible book. John R. W. Stott, that great biblical scholar, says the New Testament would be greatly impoverished without the book of Acts. Uh, he says we're given four accounts of the life of Jesus, but only one account of the life of the early church. And I think that's right. And so it's a great study. I'm looking forward to it. My plan is to cover one chapter each time on Tuesdays and Thursdays, instead of two, like we were doing in the Gospel of Matthew, and that was hard, wasn't it? Uh, But still, a lot of our time will be spent just reading through the book of Acts and commenting on it in the same way that we did uh, the book of Matthew. But maybe we'll be able to have time for uh, a few more uh, discussion, questions, and issues. And so if you have a question... Uh, about the book of Acts and want to send that to me either through Facebook message or just in the comments as we go through, uh, feel free to do that and we'll try to have some some interaction on that. And so what do we call this book? Well, it's the book of Acts, true, and that's Acts spelled A-C-T-S, not Acts spelled A-X. Uh, I love the old story about uh, people who were critical of the Church of Christ in a humorous way uh, saying, you guys say that you're a, a, a a, uh, a religion of peace and goodwill and love, and yet all I hear you talking about is an Acts in 2:38. Not true, not true. It's an Acts, yes, but it's the Book of Acts, A C T S, not A X. And that that significant passage in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, uh, is important also. And we do talk about that a lot. And we'll talk about that Thursday when we get to Acts. Uh, chapter 2. But, but what do we call this book? Well, it's written by the book, by Luke. It's kind of volume 2 uh, because the gospel of Luke being volume 1, the book of Acts being volume 2. Did he intend to write a volume 3? Because, you know, we end up with Paul under house arrest in Rome and we really don't get as uh, Paul Harvey would say the rest of the story. Uh, Luke was a traveling companion of Paul at times. And so as we read his gospel, I think we're reading a lot about what Paul would have written Had he uh, uh, written the book of Acts? Uh, And then, of course, the book of Acts talks a lot about uh, the life and teaching and mission work of the Apostle Paul and the Apostle Peter and others as well, uh, such as Stephen that we mentioned earlier, the first Christian martyr, the first apostle killed for the faith, Uh, James, the brother of John the Apostle who wrote the Gospel of John and 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John in the Revelation, um, that's you know we see his story uh, briefly in there as well. We read uh, about uh, wonderful people such as Priscilla and Aquila and the great preacher Apollos and and their interactions and uh, Lydia, the first convert that is recorded anyway in uh, in on the continent of Europe uh, during Paul's second mission journey. We read about that Macedonian call uh, that, that Paul has uh, to go into Europe. Uh, in Acts chapter 16. And so it's it's really an exciting book. I'm excited about being in it. I know that you all are. I see John Stevens, my buddy, is uh, excited about studying the book of Acts. Me too. Uh, me too. And so it is, um, I think it's going to be a great blessing. Uh, we call it Acts of the Apostles. We could call it that because, but that's not exactly accurate because there's more than just the apostles that are very active in the book. And it kind of leaves out the divine element too. And so we could call it Acts of the Holy Spirit. Uh, the Holy Spirit is very active, uh, as we have seen uh, and will see. Uh, but then that leaves out the human element. And there is a lot of, of human element involved in what we read about in the book of Acts. Uh, we could call it what John Stott calls it, which is the continuing words and deeds of Jesus by his spirit through his apostles. A little long for me. Um, my favorite title of the book of Acts is Acts of the Holy Spirit and the Church. I think that catches all the bases without being too awkward and too long, um, but uh, whatever we call it, it's it's an incredible story of the very beginning of the church. Uh, the, it starts with the ascension of Jesus Christ, as we'll see in a moment, and then those days as they wait for the giving of the Holy Spirit, and then that gift comes, and the church begins with a bang, and so I've entitled this series, Beginning with a Bang, uh, the Book of Acts, um, and so we've talked about some of those acts, uh, some of those events, some of those uh, activities that we find in the early years uh, of the church, and we'll look forward to going through all of those. And again, Acts begins where Luke uh, leaves off, with the disciples waiting for the promised Holy Spirit. In uh, in at the end of the book of Luke, in Luke uh, 24, uh, Jesus tells his disciples to wait, wait in Jerusalem until you're clothed with power from on high, until you have that gift of the Holy Spirit. And it's coming, it's coming, uh, but it won't be here for a while. So wait in the city until that gift comes. And then uh, repentance and remission of sins will be preached in the name of the resurrected Jesus. So that, um, that is what we're looking forward to, and that is actually what begins uh, to happen uh, here in the book of Acts. Um, and so that's an exciting thing, and, uh, and, and we're going to start in Acts chapter 1. That makes sense, doesn't it? But being a, a good Church of Christ guy, that I am, I have my cell phone here, and so that means I'm going to be conscious of the time, and we'll see if that works out or not. Um, no guarantees, but I, I look forward to these being a little bit shorter studies than the full hour that Matthew was. Uh, my goal will be to end up maybe about after 45 minutes. Um, but And so that'll be good. That'll be a nice thing to have. Uh, but also being a good Church of Christ, boy, I wonder if we should start in Chapter 2. I mean, that's really where, you know, the Spirit comes and the, the Church begins and Peter preaches that first great sermon and the people are cut to the heart uh, and they ask, what do we do? And Peter says in that verse, Acts 2.38, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then that church begins. 3,000 that day uh, are baptized in Jerusalem on the first day and the church begins with a bang and then the church meets in that great passage starting in Acts 2 verse 41 that talks about um, the early church and talks about how how they uh, helped each other and were there and were devoted to the apostles' teaching and doctrine. Uh, They were devoted to one another in fellowship. They were devoted to Uh, the breaking of bread, likely uh, the um, uh, communion, and they were devoted to prayer. And that gets us to chapter 1. Because you see, before you can have Acts chapter 2, you have to have Acts chapter 1. And the focus of Acts chapter 1 is on waiting. And and wait is a four-letter word. I don't like it. I don't like to wait. As I get older, I think I become a little bit more impatient all the time. And yet, God tells his people, wait. Jesus told his disciples, wait, wait for me in Jerusalem to send the Holy Spirit. I will, but it's not going to be today. And so you have to wait and pray. That's the key in Acts chapter 1, is prayer. And we're going to see the early church gathering and waiting after the crucifixion, after the resurrection after the ascension uh, and waiting uh, for Jesus to send the spirit with that he had promised. Um, and so that gets us to uh, Acts chapter 1. So how about if we start in Acts chapter 1, verse 1? Want to? Okay, uh, let's do that. Um, okay, Acts chapter 1, verse 1. And again, as I did in uh, with the Matthew study, my study Bible here is a... Um, uh, a new international version. It's the latest NIV. I think it's 2011. If you have one of the earlier versions, you'll see some differences. If you have some of the other translations, you'll see some differences, but if it's a reliable translation, uh, then uh, it's. I think you can uh, use it and that'll be great. I use the English Standard version along with the NIV and it's a little bit more literal translation and so it helps me to compare uh, those uh, with each other and I recommend Uh, Certainly that you not tie yourself down to just one version, but comparing uh, other translations will help you, if it's a reliable translation. Uh, There are others, such as the message from Eugene Peterson, which is a very valuable tool, but more as a commentary, as he writes uh, his uh, uh, interpretation in the message, uh, a paraphrase. uh, Very valuable and expresses some things in wonderful, beautiful ways. Uh, But a translation is a good thing. Uh, The King James Version will get you there. It's a little bit dated. Uh, The English language has changed a little bit from England to the U.S. and has changed a little bit from 1611 to 2020. Uh, But it's still a a great translation that can be very valuable for you. I recommend you compare it to others along the way. Um, The New King James Version is good. The, uh, The New American Standard is a little bit dated now, too. Probably the English standard version would be a more uh, recent translation in the uh, in the uh, that's similar to uh, the New American um, and and others uh, that you might find. And so, starting in Acts chapter one, verse one, in my former book Theophilus, I wrote all about Jesus, what Jesus began to do and to teach. And this guy Theophilus, some suggest that it's not really a person; it's just Luke saying, I'm going to write this to all of you uh, Bible students, all of you people that want to know this story. Um, I think Theophilus, probably a person, probably uh, a friend of his, uh, probably one that, as he says, uh, was familiar with his, his book of uh, the gospel of Jesus that we call the book of Luke. Um, in Luke chapter 1, he tells us, hey, I did my homework. I researched, there are other things being said, and I studied and i i looked at everything and this is what i've come up with and he gives an incredible account of the life death and resurrection of christ uh, in the 24 chapters of the book of luke and i imagine he did his homework uh, as well for the book of acts he was a doctor and so he was into details but also um, he lived some of these things Uh, a lot of the we passages as they call them we where As he records uh, the message and the narrative, he uses the first person plural instead of the second person plural. And it's during those passages that I would figure that he was uh, actually with Paul on the journeys and what was going on. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach. Until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. And now he's going to tell a little bit about that. After his suffering, Acts 1 verse 3, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. We talked about that in Matthew 28 with the resurrection this past Thursday in that great chapter of 1 Corinthians 15 that tells us about how important the resurrection is and the appearances, the gospel being defined as the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and the appearances give that credibility. And if you haven't listened to that lesson this past Thursday, Uh, I hope you will, on Matthew 24. After his suffering, uh, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. So if that's the case, and Pentecost comes 50 days after uh, 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 the Passover, then we're talking about a few weeks, uh, less than two months, and uh, just within a a week or two of the time uh, when the church begins. Okay, Uh, verse 4. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And this great event that we'll read about next uh, on Thursday uh, is one of those two great extraordinary outpourings of the Holy Spirit. Unlike any other, uh, the rest of us receive that indwelling gift of the Holy Spirit when we respond in faith and are baptized into Christ, just as we'll read about in Acts 2. But in Acts chapter 2 and in Acts chapter 10, that miraculous extraordinary outpouring of the Holy Spirit that was given to the apostles in Acts chapter 2, to, to uh, recognize the beginning of the church, very extraordinary moment that brought about much change in the lives of God's people. And also Acts 10, when Cornelius and his family became the first non-Jewish converts into Christianity. Um, uh, so incredible things that we'll get to read about over the next several weeks. Uh, verse 6, Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? we would be right there with them, right? When we hear Jesus talking about this, then we, what, we're, what we're interested in is power. You know, they, they didn't get the lesson that Jesus had told them in Matthew 20. Look, the greatest among you will be your servant. I came to, to serve, not to be served, and to give my life. And they saw him do that. And then they saw him uh, resurrected afterwards. Uh, And so they ask a question about power, and Jesus takes them away from that again in Acts 1 verse 7. He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. Can we get an amen on that one? Uh, People see the things that are going on, and granted, I agree, it's hard, it's difficult, it's tragic, it's sad, it's infuriating. All of those things are true. But as as horrible and as difficult as some of these things are that we see in our world today and in our country today, um, it's not like these hard times have never been experienced by God's people over the last 2,000 years. And then you go back even further before that. Um, And so let's not get too caught up in the when. That's the question they're asking. Are you going to establish the kingdom now? Are you going to come to power now? Um, The when is not the right question. As we read Matthew 24, Uh, A a week or two ago, it was, Jesus said, that's not the right question. It doesn't matter when. It's the what that matters. Are you doing what the Father wants? Are you being obedient? If you're living obediently, then the when part doesn't really matter. If he comes today, great. Um, This lesson may be long, but if he comes before the end of it, super. (laughs) That'll be great. Uh, But if he chooses to wait another 2,000 years, he just as liable to do that. As well second Peter 3 tells us that when he uh, is not coming when he tarries when he waits it's because of God's patience and forbearance giving people more opportunities to repent Uh, we're going to read in this great book of Acts that call to repentance and uh, that call for everyone to come to repentance um, as Paul says in Acts 17 Um, it's not for you to know the times or dates the father has set by his own authority But you will receive power, Acts 1 verse 8, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so here we have the theme verse, I believe, of the book of Acts. And it's an outline statement that good old Luke, the uh, learned author, uh, uses. Jesus says, you're going to be my witnesses. You're going to receive the power that I have promised through the Holy Spirit, but you're going to be my witnesses. Uh, you're going to tell people what you have seen and heard, beginning right here in this city, in the city of Jerusalem. And again, just as we said last Thursday, the, the, the resurrection story and the story of the apostles and the other disciples of, of Jesus in those first uh, days and weeks and months and years has great credibility. It's, it's faith, yes, of course, but it's not blind faith. It's not faith based on nothing. All of these things happened in the same town. All of these things happened within two months of each other. Jesus died and was buried and then was raised three days later in the same town. And people said they saw him there in that city of Jerusalem where the tomb was located. And yet no one went to the tomb and opened it up and said, see, here's the body. The church would have been destroyed and and would have had to quit before it even got really started. Uh, But they just couldn't do that because the body was not there. Now Jesus tells them, okay you're going to be my witnesses starting right here. Starting right here in Jerusalem you'll be able to tell the story and then going further in the surrounding areas and the surrounding regions uh, of, of uh, Judea and Samaria. there, Jerusalem in the Roman province of Judea, uh, Samaria the province right to the north, Galilee where Jesus had uh, much of his home base and ministry, the northern province of those three, um, Jesus tells them in Acts 1, verse 8, You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, which is what he had told them to do at the end of Matthew in Matthew 28, go into all the world and make disciples of every nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you, and I will be with you always to the very end of the age. Here he tells them to do exactly that, starting where they are in Jerusalem, continuing on to the surrounding areas. And we'll see that gets started in Acts chapter 8 uh, when this man Saul of Tarsus takes the point in trying to destroy the church and everyone is scattered except the apostles and then to the very ends of the earth. Acts 1 verse 8, a significant verse. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, as I would be, by the way. (laughs) Um, When suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them, angels, obviously, messengers of God. Verse 11, I love this. Verse 11, men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. I just love that. Uh, They've seen this incredible event. I mean, they, they've seen Jesus rise from the dead. They've seen Jesus now ascend into heaven. And I would be right there with them, just mouth gaping open, staring up at the sky. And then these two angels come kind of walk up beside them as I see it. And they say, what, what are you guys doing? Why, why are you looking up into heaven? You got work to do. He's going to come back, just like you saw him go. But in the meantime, you have work to do. He told you what to do. He told you to go and wait for him and to pray. And that's exactly what they do uh, after that. And so we keep reading in Acts 1, beginning at verse 12. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day's walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew, also called Nathaniel, and Matthew, the guy that we read about in his gospel, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, not Simon Peter, Simon the Zealot, which means he was very much actively wanting to separate from the Romans, and Judas, son of James, not Judas Iscariot, the other Judas, Uh, Judas Iscariot having killed himself that we're going to hear about in just uh, a moment. But I think it's significant that we see these uh, apostles there. They're together, and they're leaning on each other, and they're encouraging each other based on everything they had seen. And we remember the words that, uh, uh, that those two on the road to Emmaus were talking to Jesus about and, and pouring out their heart and then telling him, We really thought this guy was going to be the Messiah. And then we saw him killed and nobody came to save him. And now they say he's been raised. And Jesus explains to them from the Old Testament, what we call the Old Testament, how this was exactly what was supposed to happen um, here these apostles are leaning on each other uh, staying together praying together but not just them verse 14 they all joined together constantly in prayer along with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus and with his brothers so many important things in that one verse Acts 1 verse 14 uh, we find the disciples, the apostles, all together, but not alone. We find other disciples with them as well, joining together with uh, with the apostles, including the women who had been such an important part of Jesus' support as he was here in his earthly ministry uh, during those three years. They're still there. Uh, they're still there with uh, the apostles. And then Jesus' family is intentionally mentioned by Luke. Mary jesus mother along with his brothers which is significant because we know that during jesus life the gospels tell us his brothers and his mother didn't really uh believe in him i wonder about mary because she kept all of those things in her heart from when the angel gabriel first came to her and then that miraculous extraordinary one-of-a-kind birth uh the son of god emmanuel god with us and then as she watched him grow up uh, Finding him in the temple at age 12, and then watched him grow up even more, and then strike out in ministry, and see all all these incredible things that he did, and hear all of the incredible things that he taught. Um, But Mary is here now, having been put under the wing of the Apostle John from the cross as Jesus died. But it's not just Mary, it's also his brothers which is very significant because two of those brothers, Jude, not the Apostle, and James, not the Apostle, will be significant New Testament characters. Jude will write one of the books of the New Testament, the last book before Revelation, uh, one little strong chapter. And then James, Uh, James, not the brother of John, not the son of Zebedee, James, uh, that James, will be killed in Acts chapter 12, the first Apostle, Uh, murdered by King Herod. This James is the half-brother of Jesus. Mary and Joseph obviously had other children in the natural way after Jesus uh, was born. Uh, They had natural relations and had other children, two of which were Jude and James. And James not only becomes a leader in the church at Jerusalem, but he's also the writer of that great book of James uh, and the New Testament, a very strong, calling for us to be active in our faith. Uh, James. That's this James. And the other brothers and sisters of Jesus. And what were they doing? Well, verse 14 tells us, they all joined together constantly in prayer. You see, that's, that's what they were doing. They were waiting for Jesus. They were waiting for that message uh, to uh, be started. And that spirit to be given. And so that gets us to Acts chapter 15. In those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120, and said, Now I want you to know I love Peter, and I identify a lot with him because he had his weak moments, and uh, he did not defend uh, his faith and his Lord when Jesus was arrested and crucified. Um, He denied him instead. And we too have struggles with our faith sometimes. And so we get it. And yet Jesus had told Peter, Peter, I prayed for you. Satan wants to sift you like wheat. Luke tells us at that last supper, but I prayed for you. And when you return, I want you to strengthen your brothers. And then he puts his arm around him in John 24 and and reinstates him in a sense, asking him, do you love me? And telling him to feed his sheep. And now it's the church after Jesus has ascended and now it's Peter that stands up and I can't imagine how that must have looked. I can't imagine the whispers in that group of 120, the looks that people might have given each other thinking, you know, this guy really was a great apostle, but you remember what he did that night? Remember how many times he denied him and with such forceful arrogant words um, after boldly saying he would be willing to die for Jesus? And now he's going to stand up in the crowd and say something? I don't know. I don't know. To Peter's credit, he does. And it's a different Peter than the one who was the first to speak with all the disciples. Now it's a Peter who has been humbled and who has learned of his own humanity and who has seen uh, the Lord that he denied resurrected and ascended into heaven. Peter stood up among the believers and said, verse 16, Brothers and sisters, the scripture had to be fulfilled in which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through David concerning Judas, now Judas Iscariot, who served as guide for those who arrested Jesus, the one who betrayed him. He was one of our number and shared in our ministry. With the payment he received for his wickedness, and this seems to be a kind of a behind-the-scenes thing that Luke is giving us, Judas bought a field. There he fell headlong, his body burst open, and all his intestines spilled out. Yikes, aren't you glad we're not watching the video on this part? Everyone in Jerusalem heard about this, so they called that field in their language a keldama, that is, the field of blood. Remember when Judas, after he had gotten a little bit contrite, he took those 30 pieces of silver and tried to give them back to the Jewish leaders, and of course his blood money, they wouldn't take it, and so he threw it into the temple and then went out and hanged himself. And, and they bought, this, they bought a, a graveyard uh, for people who had nowhere uh, to be buried and no one to bury them. And then Peter attaches it to the Old Testament. Verse 24 said, Peter, it is written in the book of Psalms, may his place be deserted, let there be no one to dwell in it, and may another take his place of leadership. And so Peter is going to use that to say, look, we have 12, we've got 11, we need a 12th. Verse 21, Therefore it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus was living among us, beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us, for one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. And so Peter lays out two requirements of this person. Number one, that he had been with them from the beginning, um, that he was there the whole time. And number two, that he had seen the resurrected Lord. This person had to be a witness of the resurrection, just as Jesus had said. And so now, uh, he's going to find out who qualifies and find out which one should take Judas's place. Verse 23, So they nominated two men, Joseph, called Barsabbas, also known as Justus, and Matthias. Then they prayed, then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you have chosen to take over this apostolic ministry which Judas left to go where he belongs. Then they cast lots, and the lot fell to Matthias, so he was added to the eleven apostles. Later on, the apostle Paul, after converting, uh, would also see the resurrected Lord Jesus and would be called to be an apostle, an apostle to the Gentiles, as he called himself. Uh, Matthias is chosen to replace Judas, and now we have twelve again. Now we have our number, but look how it was done with much prayer. Seeking the guidance of the Holy Spirit just as they had been there the whole time. Waiting as Jesus had told them to wait. Constantly in prayer, Acts 1 uh, tells us. The first century disciples were a people of prayer. And that starts right here in Acts chapter 1. And let's talk about that for a moment. Prayer and Acts. Prayer without action is dead. It's just prayer. You know, a lot of people criticize us, and perhaps rightly so to some degree, for talking about thoughts and prayers. I still tell people, you have my thoughts and prayers, you're in my thoughts and prayers, and that is the truth. It is the truth. It's okay to say it if it's true. What's not okay is to stop there, and I get that, uh, because Uh, prayer without acts is dead. That uh, brother of Jesus we mentioned a moment ago, James, in James chapter 2, says that exact thing, faith without works is dead. And he talks about uh, some who actually did act on their faith. Hebrews 11, the honor roll of faith, says by faith these people acted. They did things. Um, Prayer without action is dead. Jesus calls us to act He calls us to let the world see our faith by our deeds. Uh, He reminds us that we are called uh, to be obedient and to be faithful. And just as he washed the disciples' feet, he tells us we are to wash one another's. Now that we know these things, he says in John 13, you'll be blessed if you do them. If you do them. Again, the book of James talks about such an act of faith as do uh, the great passages in 1 Peter and Ephesians and Titus and others. And we call it the book of Acts. It's not the book of thoughts. It's not the book of prayers. It's not the book of well wishes. It's the book of Acts because the church was active in their faith and living that out. Prayer without action is dead, but action without prayer is my will, not God's. And I think that's where we have to stop and remind ourselves that we need to do exactly what we're doing right now. Spend some time in prayer. Spend some time studying the Word of God because that's the only place where we can find what His will is uh, in an objective way. We might feel a certain way, but that's really subjective. And if we're going to be basing your uh, life and your decisions on your feelings, then you have become your own God. Actions without prayer and Bible study indicate that I'm interested in doing my will. Um, not God's. Uh, Jesus spent much time in prayer. He prayed all night before he was tempted in Matthew 4. He prayed all night before he chose his 12 apostles in Luke 6. He was praying when the disciples in Luke 11 came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray. And the night before he died, he spent it in prayer, uh, praying to the Father who answered him no, but who gave him the comfort and the strength. Uh, that he needed. To me, the most important reason why we should pray, two simple words. Jesus prayed. Jesus prayed. I should too. Prayer without action is dead. Action without prayer is just being committed to my will, not God's. And action without prayer really relies on my power, not on God's power. That's the power of prayer. power of prayer is not in prayer. The power of prayer is in God. You don't pray to someone who's less powerful than you are. If so, you don't need to ask them to do anything. do it yourself. We pray as an act of dependence upon our great God. We see this in a special way in 2 Corinthians 12, when the Apostle Paul goes to God and asks him to relieve this thorn in the flesh that he had so that he could be more effective for the Lord in his ministry. And God says, no, no, no. Jesus tells him, no, my, you've got my strength. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Uh, My power is perfected uh, in weakness. You're going to be okay. Because when you're weak, that's when you're really strong. Because you're depending on me. I think that's the lesson that we need to know as well. So as we get ready to close out this little study, I told you I'd do it before an hour. Um, Again, we go back to that statement in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, that charts the rest of the book. Be my witnesses here in Jerusalem first then in the surrounding areas of Judea and Samaria, and then to the very end of the earth. Beginning with a bang, the book of Acts. It's been said that uh, you can chart the growth of the church with this phrase, and the word of God spread. The word of God is such an important theme throughout the book of Acts, and when it's mentioned, it's mentioned in the sense of the church spreading the gospel and sharing their faith, even under intense persecution. It costs them something to be faithful. It cost them something uh, to share the gospel and yet they did. And yet they were faithful. Acts 1 verse 8 gives us the plan, the strategy of carrying out this call, this great commission to share the gospel. Begin where you are and then go beyond that and then go beyond that. And it happens one region at a time, one city at a time, one community at a time One person at a time. Will you be a witness for Jesus? Will your church be witnesses for the gospel of Jesus Christ? Uh, The book of Acts doesn't begin with chapter 2. It begins with chapter 1 because you can't have that day of Pentecost until you've had those days and nights of prayer. Prayer is an acknowledgment that we rely on God, not upon ourselves. Jesus prayed. We should too. Well, what about your acts? If someone were writing your story, what would they say? What would they say about our church? What would they say about our West Irwin Church of Christ, of which I'm a member? It's a wonderful church family that does so many things. Would they describe us as an active church? A church that is active in their faith? Um, and what about us individually? What about you yourself? If someone were describing you, would, would they describe you the way Luke is going to describe Jesus? Uh, not luke but peter and luke records it in talking to cornelius in acts 10 peter describes jesus as one who went around doing good is that how people would describe our church is that how people would describe you someone who goes around doing good and seeking to help the first century church was a, a church of conviction but it was a church that acted on that conviction and the world was never the same Not because they overpowered it in the way we would think, in earthly terms. But they overpowered it in the way Jesus did, taking the way of the cross, denying themselves, taking up their own crosses, and following after him, and being witnesses to that person sitting next to them, to that community where they lived, to the regions around them, and to the end of the earth. The first century church was a church of conviction, and that started with prayer. We need to do the same. We need to have that same conviction. And we need to have that same active faith. And it begins with prayer. Let's bow for a moment. Father, thank you for this great book of Acts, for these incredible stories that we'll read over these next few months about this incredible church that you bought with your own blood, just as Paul would tell the Ephesian elders in Acts chapter 20. And so, Father, we pray that you would help us to have a strong and active faith. Help us to be a people of prayer. Help us to look for your will, not our own. And help us, Father, to be willing to act on it so that others might hear and see our witness of what you have done in our lives and give their lives to you as well. We pray these things, Father, in Jesus' name. And we pray that you would bless our land such a polarized divided time right now and it doesn't look like there's any relief in sight father we pray that you would bring that relief that you would bring that justice and that you would bring us father that uh, sense of calm and peace wherein those changes that are so needed can be considered and discussed and ultimately made father bless our land Bless our law enforcement who put their lives on their line every day, every moment. Bless their families that worry so much for them. Bless our leaders. Bless those who are continuing to minister to us in medical ways because of this novel coronavirus. Bless those who are seeking to keep our uh, great land up and running in the midst of everything. Father, forgive us. Forgive us. Help us, Father, to see through all of these dangers and the difficulties and the trouble that you told us would be in the world. Help us to be reminded, Father, that you have overcome the world and help us to take heart. Father, thank you for this study. Help us, Father, to be that same church of conviction, to be that same people of prayer, to be a people who act. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I will see you Thursday at 4 o'clock. And we'll be in Acts chapter 2. Yay, hooray! In the meantime, this will be on my Facebook page. It'll be on our West Irwin uh, Facebook page here before long. Ultimately, it'll be on our westirwin.com page on our live streaming archive site. God bless you. And God bless your family and loved ones. God bless our great land. God bless the cause of Jesus Christ. Amen. Talk to you soon.